listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 223. How's it going, Mark? I don't even know how to answer that question. We've gotten so busy to end of this year. We got a bunch of new stuff going on. It's all good stuff. But I guess answer your question, it's going really good. Just trying to get to the end of this year so we can start doing our planning for for 2021. But speaking of planning for 2021, do you know what we're going to do as an organization page? I know a lot of those things, but I don't know what you're specifically <laughs> You actually of. know about this because I've talked about it before. And you know, people, you know my views on climate change and how I still don't think that it's been proved that man's activity has added to that. But OGGN is making a pledge that we will be fully carbon neutral by 2030. If I am wrong about climate change, then we're doing something good for the planet. And if I'm right, we're still doing something good for the planet. The cool thing is if we actually hit our goal by 2030, we'll do it 20 years before Equinor, Shell, BP, and Microsoft. Boom. Yeah. And it's actually pretty simple. I did a little bit of research into the biology of carbon dioxide utilization. If people don't know, I have a degree in wildlife management. So that sort of stuff's easy for me to do. And it's literally what we're going to do is we're going to plant trees. We're, we're going to give to charitable organizations that plant trees. And you can actually do the math backwards look at how much co2 that oggn releases which by the way Paige, do you know how much co2 you release (laughs) (laughs) no it's between two and three pounds a day every person on this planet does that okay so we've done the math with our activities our flying our driving our compute power and our people and so we are pledging to be fully carbon neutral by 2030 cool speaking of carbon neutral if y'all heard that in the microphone that is our watch wiener making sure that the perimeter is safe Watch slash war wiener <laughs> or war wiener. Anyway, time for the reviews. You want to read the first review? We got? No, I do not. Actually, I'm kind of blushing. <laughs> so, here's our review. Five stars. Page is super hot. <laughs> you guys are great. Page is super hot. That is all. Carry on. You want to le- read who left that review? No, and I don't think you should either. It's um, not very tactful. So. Okay. Anyway, it's a very big compliment. So we usually get compliments on the quality of our news. We get compliments on our audio, on our being plugged in the industry. I think it's cool that you got a compliment. You're hot. I'm red. <laughs> she I'm is the, really I'm blushing red. people. <laughs> <laughs> Still, five-star review. We'll take it. So let's get into the news stories. All right. So first one is S&P Global to buy IHS market in all stock deal worth $44 billion. Yeah, so this deal is expected to close the second half of 2021. You know, my predictions for 2021 will be out by the time people hear this show. One of the things that I talked about in the predictions is the consolidation of the tech providers in that service oil and gas. This is a perfect example about that. You know, IHS Market Kit's been around forever. That's actually who does Sarah Week. They're worth about $37 billion-ish. S&P is another big player uh, out in the market. And this acquisition makes perfect sense for both of them. It's a good mix. They both have complementary skill sets, data sets, and customer bases. I think this is the beginning of more and more of these type of tech mergers and acquisitions that touch the oil and gas industry. The cool thing is because it's most it's all stock, a lot of the duplicity that you would see in other types of mergers aren't going to be there. And so I, I think the companies will come out with a very strong balance sheet. And I think this is going to be one of those beginning of a trend that we're going to see for the next couple of years in our industry. All right. 
So next one is Robot Dog Spot is a star on YouTube and works on a BP oil rig. Okay, audience, if you haven't seen any of the Boston Dynamic robots. It's so creepy. It's creepy only because it's so real. It yeah. literally looks like what if the Terminator actually really ever happened, this would be the stuff that'd be chasing us down. But this is Boston Dynamics, which by the way, I believe Boston Dynamic is up for sale or they've been sold recently. And I think it was one of the automobile manufacturers that picked them up. Oh, I really? Maybe may wrong about that. So if we have a fact checker in our audience, let me know about that. We should have lots of those. Yeah. But this is a Boston Dynamics robot named Spot. And he's actually working on a BP rig. And what's really cool is they're actually using the robot to do a lot of mundane inspection, which is where robotics shine. You know, robot, robots don't get bored. They don't get side of, uh, side affected. Listen to me. They don't get <laughs> bored. They don't get sidetracked. You know, they work the same whether they got in a fight with their wife the night before or whatever or low sleep or no sleep or whatever. And so a lot of the inspection type of stuff, walking around decks and below decks where Spot can actually get to, he can do these inspections every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and always spot if there's something different, pun intended. Um, <laughs> but I'm this is actually, you know, we've talked about the influx of technology in the oil and gas industry. I've talked before about how deep water activity is not going to come back until the robotics get to the point. Now, Spot's not actually drilling, but if Spot can actually find loose ropes, power outlets that are left on, spills on the ground, and that sort of stuff, and report back, it's not going to be that much longer before Spot is doing other things that are more complex. Yeah, Spot's pretty expensive, too. About 74 thousand dollars geez spot <laughs> but you don't have to buy him food so at some point he breaks even i wonder how long it takes for a dog to eat seventy four thousand dollars worth of food probably not the entirety of a life of a real dog no yeah but anyway this is that whole remote worker tie-in new technology i just think it's awesome you know big shout out to not only bp for doing something out of the box i mean it's you know this is different to have a robot dog on your rig but also to boston dynamics to seeing the benefit and seeing if they can help bp run safer operations i think this is the very beginning of something you can see more and more in our industry all right opec allies mole extending output cuts yeah this is opec realizing that if they cut a little bit more they can get prices up but at the same time as the world starts opening up we got to make sure we supply the world with the energy that it needs now this is a, a hard place for opec to be just because of all the variables that are going on and the other thing that's going on is OPEC's just coming off these dramatic cuts they had to, to respond to the, the pandemic and the cratering of, of the global demand. So they're looking at about 7.7 .7 million barrels per day. There's a current cut. They're looking to change that to 5.8 million barrels a day by January of 2021, which is just a month away. And then the other thing that's playing in this that nobody's really talking about is the vaccine. Now, the vaccine, as of today of recording, is just now being shipped here in the right. U.S., if the vaccine is well adopted globally and the vaccine gets to the people that need it first, like the first responders, and by the you know second quarter of next year, if the vaccine starts getting to the common people like you and me, not only will you see the need for the cuts go away, but you may also see price wars come back. And Paige, I can't believe I'm going to say this, you know how happy I'll be if we're back in another price war situation <laughs> where there's a demand so we actually can yeah. have a price war. Right, exactly. Um, so we'll keep an eye on this. The other thing, the output from the U.S. has fallen a lot. I know even though OPEX agreed on cuts, the financial drivers has forced cuts here in the U.S., so the pent-up demand has is, is almost disappeared. And if you listen to my oil and gas predictions for 2021, you'll see that I'm 
predicting by the second quarter of next year that we're back to $60 a barrel for WTI and, and stuff like this could help us get there. All right. Venezuela resumes oil shipments to China despite U.S. sanctions. <sighs> so everybody knows what's going on. Venezuela economy is in shambles. It's been in shambles for a long time. You know, until the government gets reorganized, read between the lines there, people, it's just a mess of there. People can't feed their kids. They can't buy diapers and medical supplies. And their sole source of income is crude, right? And so with there's sanctions by the U.S., it's looking like China and Venezuela are trying to sidestep the, the sanctions. China is one of the countries that can use that heavy, complex crude, one of the few countries like we are. So you have in the China National Petroleum Company and the China National Offshore Company are both pulling shipments out of Venezuela against the sanctions. The U.S. has toned down its response to enforcing the sanctions because we just went through this presidential election. Let's see how our new administration chooses to face this. You know, this is something that needs to be stopped. I do realize that the Venezuelan people are the one that suffer, but the Venezuelan people will suffer forever until we can have legal business with Venezuela. And this is not legal. Yeah. And to go on to the next article, the title of that is Desperate for Fuel, Venezuelan Steel, PDVSA crude and make their own gasoline. Yeah, it's Petrovasa's PDVSA. So this is what they're doing. They're literally stealing crude and they're boiling it like you would boil mash to make whiskey. And they're distilling it so they can get gasoline for their cars. And you talk about crazy. I mean, literally, you could take something that's already flammable. You're going to boil it under pressure. <laughs> and you're doing this in homemade stills basically in, in people's backyard how dangerous it's crazy and they've had all they've already had a whole bunch of people die from this they had a whole bunch of fires i mean accidentally started because of this people have been hurt actually unfortunately there's been some children that that's been hurt because of this because you know their parents have to have fuel to, to in order to get to work and the only way they can get it is make their own and then the other thing that you don't hear about in the news is in order to get this crude you have to tap a pipeline now, because it's illegal, the pipeline's not being cut off, so it's it's something called oh my god, tag. yeah. So they're drilling holes in an active crude pipeline to get the crude, and it's just you know it's just such a mess. And the reason for this is not only the lack of fuel in Venezuela caused by the decline of their refineries; their refineries have fallen apart and they can't repair them. But it's also because of the sanctions that we talked about previously. And so these poor Venezuelan people are hungry; they want to feed themselves; they need fuel. And in order to do it, they're having to steal crude to make their own fuel. And it's just, I mean, I don't know how much, it's just a horrible situation. And so, and then the other thing is the fuel they're making is not meant to any standards. So all these poor people that are making their own, you know, backyard gasoline, if you want to think about it that way, then ruin the engines in their car and yeah. they're left with nothing. Ugh. Just sad. Yeah, very much so. All right. So next article is Exxon oil rig becomes the tallest structure converted to an artificial reef in the Gulf of Mexico. How cool is that? The rigs, the reef program is really cool. It's been around for over 20 years. Yeah, it's been around for a while. I actually, a long time ago, it was one of the few times I got to use my degree in wildlife management. I was being interviewed by an anti-oil and gas publication mm -hmm. about this exact thing, the rigs, the reef program. And the person that was interviewing got mad at me because she couldn't get me, to, she couldn't rattle me, right? I was just sticking to the facts. And eventually she stomped her foot. She let me square an eye and she goes, what do you know about wildlife? <laughs> First time ever I got <laughs> to go, hey, actually, actually I'm <laughs> this is the Lena compliant tower. It's 1300 feet. It's one of the 500 decommissioned oil and gas structures in the Gulf of Mexico that had been repurposed as a reef. This is incredible thing to do. If you don't know this, most of the Gulf of Mexico 
not the shallow water, most of the mid-depth Gulf of Mexico is almost like a desert. It's just sand and water. And in order to support wildlife, you need structure. The structure attracts sponges, algae, and eventually corals, which then provide food for small fish, which then provide food for bigger fish, which then provide places, safe havens for them to lay their eggs. And you build this whole infrastructure network, and you do it by simply taking an old oil rig, cleaning it up, cutting it into right-sized pieces, putting it on the floor in the Gulf of Mexico and let nature do its course. This is wonderful. Hats off to ExxonMobil for donating the rig for the Rigs Reef Program. Hats off to Bessie for making sure everything was done well. The State Department of Wildlife and Fisheries in both Louisiana and Texas are very big supporters of this. Oh, yeah. So is the Ocean Foundation, which typically doesn't get along with the oil and gas industry. So if you want to see a win-win for everybody, for the environment, for the oil and gas industry, for the people that made money from that rig, and for the people in the future that will catch fish from that rig, I mean, this is a win-win all the way around. So Yeah, I've, I've actually sent in a couple of those applications in the past for stuff we've P&A'd, so that's, that's, it's pretty cool. Oh, I didn't even know you did that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, it involves the government, so I've got to send a yeah, letter no choice. <laughs> and, and a big old check. So. Yeah, but, but you know, this is one of those programs that we need to continue. Regardless of what political side you're on, you can't help but say this is a win-win, so let's keep it up, folks. Yeah. Saskatchewan driller hits gusher with groundbreaking geothermal well that offers hope for oil workers. So this is really interesting. If you don't know what geothermal energy is, it's basically using the heat in the Earth's core to either boil water or produce steam, and either of those can be man-made or natural, to turn a turbine to make electricity. Norway is is a geothermal mecca, right? And mm-hmm. there's other parts of the world that have, and you have to have the right geology. The magma has to be close enough to the surface for you to actually reach the right temperatures. And this is a great example. So a couple of things here that's worthy. So geothermal is almost brand new in Canada. The second thing is this is the first ever horizontal geothermal well that was fracked that has been ever drilled in the world. So they took the same horizontal drilling and fracking technology we use to pull hydrocarbons out of reservoirs, mm-hmm. and they did it to pull steam out of the ground. And so it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. I love geothermal. It's one of the renewables that really has a strong business driver behind it, strong financial behind driver behind it. The problem is it's not everywhere in the world. There's very, very limited places where it makes sense. But when it does make sense, it's awesome. And then the other thing that's really cool about geothermal is you take that water, once it goes through the turbine, you drop it back in the ground and the cycle the cycle repeats itself. Oh, really? Yeah. And so it's just a wonderful, safe way to make electricity. And I just think it's really awesome that they were able to do a, a horizontal well because now you're bringing new technology to the geothermal industry. Typically, they do a vertical shaft and they have to go really deep to find enough temperature increase to make it worthwhile. Now that they go horizontal, they can stay in that temperature zone, just like you stay in the hydrocarbon pay zone, right? And get the exact temperatures they need. So we'll keep an eye on, this is actually done in Alberta, Calgary. We'll keep an eye on this. And the Razor Energy Corporation, which is actually a natural gas producer, actually partnered on this. So how cool is it? A natural gas producing company also said, we can take our same processes, techniques, and people and do geothermal. That's pretty cool. It's awesome. All right. So the world's largest trade pack could crush U.S. gas exports. Ah, darn it. (laughs) So this is bigger than the article gets into because of our recent change in administration here in the U.S. So one of the things going on with in Asia Pacific is there's all these different tariffs. So, you know, Japan charges this amount of tax on whiskey that's coming from Japan to China. China charges this amount of tax on fruit that's going to Australia. Australia charges this amount of tax that's going to, you know, South Korea, New Zealand, blah, blah, blah. And those tariffs help equalize the economy. Some of those countries are much stronger from an economic point of view than other countries. And the tariffs and the taxes help equalize that out. 
The problem is when you start having a trade pack where you you remove those tariffs is it gives the bigger company countries more strength. Mm-hmm. So in this case, China. So if all of a sudden China and Korea and Japan and Vietnam and New Zealand and Australia all decide not to have tariffs, China's get the upper hand. That's one of the things that our last administration went back and renegotiated. Well, there's been this little battle between Australia and China for a while. They have not been getting along. And a lot of it, the reason they're not been getting along is because of stuff like this. So- if this, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And and the other thing that's not brought into this article is that the other country that will be a big part of this is India. And India backed out of these negotiations. India said it's just not fair at all. And so they, they basically backed out. And all this is happening at a time where in the U.S., before the COVID-19 pandemic, so think of 2019, we were starting to be a very large LNG exporter. You think of the Chevron right. Gorgon project in Australia, mm-hmm. that was there literally to support the Asia-Pacific demand for clean natural gas, right? Well, that project only works financially when the taxes and trade sanctions are in place. And so if this thing goes through, and then if our new administration, if Biden returns to multilateralism, which basically is in stark contrast to where we are today because of our last administration, this actually could hurt the U.S. ability to to export LNG to the rest of the world because it'll actually be cheaper for China to get it from Australia than it will be for them to get it from the U.S., and so, you know, like I said, Australia and China have not been getting along, but this is something that could affect things like Chenier right there in in, yeah. in, in Louisiana. So, you know, U.S. exports were, were supposed to grow of LNG to China, and they still will grow. But let's keep an eye on this. And I'll tell you this much. If I look at it from the other end, if I, if I come back and look at this like I was Chinese, this is a great deal for China. It's a fantastic deal for China. And you can't blame them for trying to do this. You know, like I said, we got Australia holding out or arguing, I should say, and we got India basically just holding out. So we'll keep an eye on this and see where it ends up. All right. DOE report shows the benefits of a robust American energy industry shows opportunities for the future. Very interesting read here, Paige. So, I mean, I didn't even think about this, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic that we're still in and all the shutdowns and what has happened to not only the American economy, but the world economy, it showcased how energy is so important to the health of people, cheap, reliable, abundant energy. Something I just picked up just yesterday. So this vaccine is being literally shipped today. Do you know it's 2,700 pounds of CO2 is being released for each shipment of vaccine because they're using dry ice to keep it cold enough. Ah. That dry ice, as it evaporates, dumps CO2 in the atmosphere. But the ability to make that CO, turn that CO2 gas into dry so we can ship the vaccine only makes financial sense when you have enough energy that you can chill that CO2 cheaply. And you want to guess where that energy comes from? Hydrocarbons. Yeah. Yeah. And so- This is a very detailed report about showing how a lot of the scientific and technology advances that we're using to combat COVID-19, to deal with the world's lockdown, to create, you know, all these programs that help and people, everything from, you know, small businesses to rent deferment, all that sort of stuff is all eventually tied back to cheap, abundable, reliable energy. And without that cheap, reliable, abundant energy produced by hydrocarbons, what would happen is, number one, a lot of this stuff wouldn't be able to pull off. Number two, it would be prohibitively expensive. So the vaccine here in the U.S., which the U.S. government's picking up most of the costs for people so everybody can get vaccinated, if we didn't have hydrocarbons, the U.S. government couldn't afford to do that. And only the rich people would have a, access to the vaccine right? because how expensive it would be. Yeah. So it's really interesting to, to look at this and see how the hydrocarbons trickle through almost everything that we do in ways that even I didn't even think about. But, you know, hats off for our oil and gas industry and making sure that we're able to pull this stuff off so we're able to get the vaccine out there so we're able to squash this COVID-19 thing because, Paige, I am so ready for life to get somewhat back to normal. (laughs) Me too. I actually ate out at a restaurant for the first time the other night. What was it like? Well, I mean, 
you walk in with a mask and you sit down at your table and then you take off your mask and they just hand you containers of stuff and only certain people can come by and give you your food or take your, your plates away so they don't contaminate something else. And overall, I mean, there are a lot of people there. I was quite surprised. It was indoors and it was a little awkward. But so did it feel like you were in a restaurant eating or did it feel weird? A little of both yeah. because it's been since, gosh, I don't even remember the last time I went to a restaurant. So, probably yeah, probably. March. Maybe March. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was definitely an experience that I'll never forget. Yeah. Well, we got to do what we got to do. Speaking of doing what we got to do, let's go to the next news article. <laughs> this is actually from a couple of weeks ago. So, Texas upstream job count rises again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and when you read in this, this is data from the Texas Workforce Commission. And it's they we basically gained 600 jobs last month in the oil and gas industry. And that sounds awesome. And honestly, no, it really is awesome. Any, Actually, this came from Texoga. Any gain is awesome. And, yeah. But if you look at this, it would have been a year ago at this time that we would have gained about 2,100 jobs. It just puts things in perspective. And these all upstream operator type of jobs, basically getting the hydrocarbons out of the ground. It is nice to see companies have worked their way through the pandemic. And now things are starting to pick up. The price of WTI is starting to go up. Price of natural gas is starting to go up. And so these companies that made it, you know, they have to be starting to breathe a bit of relief, the fact that they're still here and they can still pick up people and hire and give jobs. We have a long, long, long way to go, people, for our industry to recover from this. But this is just one of those signs that we're headed in the right direction. All right. So American deep water oil exploration is a dead mark. I know. Because you found a really cool article. <laughs> and what's cool is it's deep water. So it's I not know. just offshore, it's deep water. So this is really interesting. So we had a bid round out in the Gulf of Mexico, and most of it was deep water. And we got bids up to $120 million. We had over 14,000 blocks offered, a total of over 517,000 acres. We had 23 companies that submitted bids. And the interesting thing is that a lot of the big dollar bids were in water deeper than 800 feet. And the bids were by companies that have a longer-term approach to this. So companies like Equinor, Shell, BP, Chevron, Reprisol. And so they basically got into a bidding battle over deep water blocks. That tells me a couple of things. That's awesome. Yeah. So first thing is these companies know there's money to be made at right. doing this in the future. So because of the way deep water works, they're looking at least five, if not 10 years ahead. That's when the first oil probably happened from these, once they spud these wells. The other thing it tells me is that the companies are still competitive in the hydrocarbon world, which means they, regardless of what they say publicly, they agree with me that hydrocarbons will be around forever. And then also, it's a really cool page. You know how we live stream stuff? Yeah. You know what they did? What? They live streamed it. Oh, that's they good. They live streamed the bidding, the rounds. Well, no, right? no, that makes sense. Yeah. And so they it was live streamed from New Orleans. Yeah, that makes sense. That would that'd be something Boehm would do. Yeah, but how cool is it that we that now you've put new technology because of COVID-19 and how much you make a bet that in the future, all of these rounds will be live streamed, regardless of whether if we were locked down a pandemic or not. So now you've taken something that used to be done in person that was very bureaucratic and took forever. People had to jump on airplanes, fly typically yeah. to like New Orleans, right? right? And now they're able to do it like we do our Zoom meetings. Yeah, it kind of opens up opportunity. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And you can't help but smile to know that deep water bidding is still going on. And actually, this is a pretty hot bidding round, especially considering the lack of global demand that we're going through this very end of 2020. Yeah. All right. So that's it for the articles, Mark. Giveaway time. So Paige, you know how we had this really cool swag that we're giving out to the IBM shirt winners? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for whatever reason, people aren't responding to us. We give the shirt numbers out. Yeah. Yeah. So I say we park that for a little while. I'm just we'll, going to sell we'll, it. <laughs> we're going to come back. No, no, <laughs> I got a better idea. We have some really cool swag. So if you're not a member of our LinkedIn group, OGG and LinkedIn group, 
go sign up for our LinkedIn group, take a snapshot of your confirmation that you sign up for the group, and then send it to myself or Paige, and we're going to take the same swag we're going to give away to the LinkedIn winners, and we're going to give it to you. We'll, we'll throw all the people that signed up into a hat. We'll pull out a winner, and you'll get shipped some really, really cool stuff that should have went to an IBM shirt winner. Actually, what I'm going to do, instead of approving everybody, I'm just going to go with the next however many people oh, sign so up. Oh, so don't need, they don't need to send a picture? No, I'll just screenshot it myself and... I'll put a bunch of names in a hat and go from there. All right, there. perfect. So if you're not a member of our LinkedIn OGGN group, go join. Everybody that joins after Sunday, December 13th, 2020, will be thrown in a hat. And then we're going to give one lucky winner this really cool stuff that should have went to an IBM shirt winner. But we got more stuff to do with IBM shirt winners. Actually, this will go out this following Thursday. So I think it should be from that day when this is actually released. Okay. So from anybody that signs up after the day it was released. Yeah. And I'll get with Savannah and find out exactly when that's going to be. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Because we got some cool swag that either we have to give away or pages go keep it. Yeah, pretty much. So let me give it away hey, to it's y'all. Christmas. I'll just get that out. <laughs> stocking stuff and stocking stuffers for everybody. Actually, actually, it makes some incredible stocking stuff. I know. Weekly rig count page. All what right. Are we doing? United States, 338, 15 up. From last week, Canada is at 111, nine up internationally, six, six, nine, 13 up. So it's all up. All going in the right direction. Yep. And then we talked about joining the LinkedIn group. You could also, if you want to volunteer a little bit of time and do a little bit more with us, go join the street team. It's our all-volunteer group. We ask you for about an hour's worth of work a month. If you can't do it, it's totally cool. We got a bunch of cool stuff coming for the street team. 2021 is going to be the year of the street team. Watch. And speaking of the year of the street team, Probably about the time you hear this, if you want to leave a question for First Friday Q&A and you go to find Oil & Gas this week, you're not going to find the old website. It's going to bring you to the new page of the OGGN website, and there's a form there for you to fill to ask questions for First Friday Q&A. So OGGN.com, look for Oil & Gas this week. There's That's where the form is to fill for First Friday Q&A. And I'll make sure Savannah puts the link in the show notes. Yep. And so that's being moved literally as we're recording this. And then events, events newsletter, it's free. If you want all the oil and gas events that are going on, put in one place in your inbox once a month. We do it. There's a link in the show notes to sign up for it. And 2021, we got a lot of stuff planned. We have a lot of virtual stuff planned. We have some live stuff, in-person stuff planned. So go sign up for the monthly oil and gas events newsletter. And then if you want myself or any of our hosts at OGG to come speak at your event, I actually had Texas and A&M reach back out to me today. Oh, cool. Isn't it awesome? Because I started 2020 with Texas and A&M having to cancel on us because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And they reached right back out and said, okay, let's do this. And I go, done. Cool. Yeah. So you want my, like I said, you want myself, any of our hosts to come speak, just let me know. We're happy to share the details. Paige, you ready to get out of here? Yep. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. And here's Savannah with Events on Deck. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the Events on Deck for December 2020. This month, we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two OGGN live streams, and on the third, we have Moving Up in a Downturn, and on the eighth, we have Quality Management in a Down Economy. The only in-person event we have this month is the API and SPE Houston Chapter Luncheon about the rebuilding of the American oil field, which will be at the Petroleum Club on the 8th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. 
That's all for December, and I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. 